0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And Christian, we are marching on with our Hispanic Musicals Month here at the Cinema Drip Podcast. And this one might uh, not be as much of a musical as the other two movies we'll be discussing this month, but I'm glad we watched it. I'm looking forward to
1: discussing it. It's... It's genre-bending for sure, and, oh, whatever, let's just get started. (laughs) So,
0: obviously, if you checked the episode title, or if you remembered listening last week, we will be discussing 1981's Zoot Suit, directed by Luis Valdez, adapted from his own play. So, Christian, I can definitely tell you I was coming to this for the first time. I don't think I had even heard of Zoot Suit before you brought it up to me, and you said we should watch it for this blend of the month. So, do you have any relationship to this movie? Is it something that you surfaced in your research for the movies that we'd watch? Is it something you were
1: familiar with? What are you bringing in? It's something that surfaced in my research for these for, for what I was considering for this blend. I am somewhat familiar with Luis Valdez because he started a theater company in Chicago. And so at time, I don't think I've ever studied one of his plays, but I've definitely studied, I think, plays from artists who were influenced by him and have gone into that realm of what Chicago theater is since I went to school near Chicago. So I I knew of his name and reputation, but that is about it.
0: Gotcha. In that case, then, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Zoot Suit, because it is genre-bending, as you said. It's an unusual movie, although adapting some really interesting material, and I'm excited to dive into it. I think we'll have a pretty good discussion coming up later on in the show.
1: We're good to start. Zoot Suit, like you said, 1981. It's a film adaptation of the Broadway play, Written and directed by Luis Valdez. It is his play. And it stars some of the same people who were on Broadway with this play. It's a story about the real-life events of the Sleepy Lagoon murder trial. A bunch of young Mexican-Americans and one white American were charged with murder. Faultily. Falsely. Falsely accused. They're incarcerated as they undergo this huge trial. And it results in The Zoot Suit Riots throughout L.A., where servicemen would target individuals who would wear these suits, which are wide-legged, high-waist pants legs. with It's got, like, a specific style to it and were primarily worn by Mexican-American youth. And they were targeted for being unpatriotic, even though some Mexican-Americans were going off to war with the rest of them. And it's a kind of a weird plot in that you're seeing the trial play out. You're seeing their life as they recount it, And it centers around Danny Valdez, who is playing Henry Reyna, uh, who is the main suspect, honestly, who is was getting ready to go off to war and then gets caught up in this. And it uses a weird plot device in which it shows... I don't even know how to describe this. It, it shows that we are watching a play unfold in front of an audience, but we don't really know if the audience is like real in the sense that they are part of the film or if they were just people who happened to be there while this was being filmed. It has a stage. It moves the way a Broadway play moves, but camera angles and editing... It, make it filmed, stylized in certain ways, lightning directions, and they incorporate the audience into the movie. Now, besides Danny Valdez, yes, there are tons of other characters, but the main individual is Edward James Almos, who stars as El Pachuco, who is kind of an imaginary zoot suit wearer, kind of the narrator, the the, um, voice of God narration that he provides about the history and about what's going on, and so both, it's their combined story. I think he almost seems to represent all Mexican-American angst while it, it, it kind of being a stand-in for that. So that's somewhat of the background information. Is there anything you'd like to add as we try to even parcel our way through what this movie is? i was gonna say
0: you had to provide a pretty complex background situation as there is a lot going on here both in its structure being an adaptation and mostly a filmed production of the play while also maybe just being a movie and incorporating this real life story that is also lightly fictionalized and has this completely fictional element in el pachuco <clears throat> there is a lot going on in Zoot Suit, and I'm looking forward to talking more about it, as I've said. The one thing that I would want to talk about a little bit before we do get fully into our discussion of the movie is just the the careers of the people involved. Uh, Zoot Suit is one of the, I guess, smallest or least seen movies that we're discussing here on the show. We tend to go for more popular movies, just things that people have seen before, or maybe something like AI, which is a movie that Steven Spielberg directed, but for people from our generation, it's not as popular as some of his more recent movies or his classics. So Zoot Suit is just a very small movie, and most of the people involved with Zoot Suit did not go on onto famous careers. Uh, sure, Many of them were engaged with the arts for their careers and for their lives edward james almost being the one of the major exceptions he went on to a long and storied career in film and tv after being in suit suit but uh, is there anybody here that you that you recognized or that
1: you uh, noticed from other projects Uh, edward james almost is the only one honestly no one else this is and it's also no one has really reviewed this it it's I'll save one of the things. I'll mention it in my fun facts. It'll be my one fun fact because there's there's nothing to this production, in in terms of like cultural uh, discussion, critical discussion, audience discussion of it. And this is purely based on one line on Wikipedia On Rotten Tomatoes. Utsu has an approval rating of fifty six percent based on reviews from nine critics, nine people. It's so this is basically mixed reviewed. Nine people are seeing it, and it's almost as though culturally I can see more who was influenced from Zoot Suit or from Luis Valdez doing what he was able to do in Chicago than anyone actually talking about this movie.
0: Yeah, it seems like a movie that if I had heard of it, it came up in one of my classes that I took in college because I feel like I had maybe had a minor minor familiarity with Zoot Suit and its existence but I, as you said I've never listened to a podcast about it I've not watched any YouTube videos or essays about it I hadn't heard anybody discuss this movie we in my world are going to be putting out one of the first podcasts about it uh, I guess the, while we're talking about sort of its legacy there are a couple other people involved who you, you know have their own Wikipedia pages and things like that. Aside from Luis Valdez and aside from Eber James, almost, but Tyne Daly appears in Zoot Suit, and she is also a longtime actress of stage and screen. Probably somebody who, at least for me, isn't someone that I'm highly familiar with. Her heyday was definitely more in the '80s, '90s, and the and the '00s, but she is still around and still acting, uh, at the ripe old age of 75. Um, and there's also some other folks out there we don't need to go into all of them <laughs> but you know there are people with wikipedia pages for example so people who you know have had careers who have gone on to do things just not a, a ton of recognizable people to maybe someone like myself who even even though I'm very into movies I just am not as familiar with a lot of these people so uh, Edward James Olmos and Tyne Daly are the two that I recognized but it's, it's cool to get to watch something like this that just exposes you to different people's talents. It's, it's new faces, it's new performances, it's new styles. It's a cool experience to get to watch something like Zoot Suit. Let's
1: jump into fun facts. Let's do it. I have one. It's not even a fun... It's not, it's not fun. Go for it. It was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry in 2019. Now the only movies that are like put in this are those that have made kind of a cultural impact, and so it's startling to me not to find this in there, but to think who. But, um, I'm glad about that, as I will reveal in my in the discussion later on. But it's also, I'm trying to trace who's watching this movie, and if it's being placed here in 2019. Where where is the critical discourse? Because I can't see too much of it.
0: Yeah, the Library of Congress handles the National Film Registry, and so we should probably be thankful for that, as it's <laughs> smarter people than just the good people at Rotten Tomatoes, of course. So you're more of a you're more of a Metacritic guy, right? I am more of a Metacritic guy. This is true. So, the original Broadway production of Zoot Suit, if I can offer up a fun fact here, was very short lived. It only ran for 41 performances, which is not a lot, even by uh, a play's standard. It's a little over a month. Right. You know, you're, if you're putting on a show, you're usually doing seven to eight performances a week. And so, obviously, as Christian said, 41 is only a little over a month. However, Edward James almost still did go on to be nominated for a Tony Award for his performance uh, for a featured actor in a play. So... Short-lived, but obviously extremely instrumental in getting his career off the ground, ultimately getting him some recognition from the Tonys.
1: Uh, uh, is, is that the end of Fun Facts? Have we reached <laughs> the limit of Fun Facts? Uh, I,
0: will add, I will add one more if you have nothing else to share, Christian. The only other thing that I would add is that the main character of Zoot Suit is named Henry Reyna, and he's based upon Henry Levas, who was uh, the real person at the center of these trials, accused and convicted wrongfully for the murder of jose diaz someone who was ultimately released from prison and uh, there are is a part of the movie to the end where they offer up some possible futures for henry reyna and they they don't say conclusively what happened to him and maybe we'll talk about the ending christian but in real life levas unfortunately was convicted again later in his life and did serve more time in prison this time, unfortunately, uh, it seems like for a crime he did commit. But after his release, he opened up a family restaurant and got to live a happy life uh, with his community. So some ups and some downs for the real Henry Reyna, but ultimately a happy ending,
1: it seems. Uh, and this movie came out in October 2nd, which is the same month as Halloween. <laughs>
0: a fun fact, if there
1: ever was one. Uh, I, hey, you! I will deliver. Now, let's let, let's go into just a review of this film. So Scott, this opening question for you is based on even the text that you sent me yesterday. In the text that you sent me, you told me that you could see how this wasn't a full-on musical and yet didn't count solely as a play. Furthermore, um, when we see things like Hamilton from last year... There seems to be a distinction that needed to be made between what counts as a video recording of a production and what is an actual adaptation into a film version. I'll give you a hint. I believe this is an adaptation. And not just that, I believe this is a pretty unique adaptation. But what are your thoughts on how this Broadway play translated onto the screen? And overall, was it a successful transition? Or is this just a video that could have remained on Broadway? <laughs> so
0: this is absolutely not a video that could have remained on Broadway. And as you said, there was some controversy with Hamilton on this particular podcast about whether it counted as a movie or if it was just a filmed production of the play. But Zoot Suit is much more than just a filmed production. There is some real ingenuity and creativity with the camera, not just in by incorporating the audience and even starting the movie outside of the theater and then going into it for the the rest of the movie, but also using the camera and editing to tell a story the same way a movie does, just Having it be set on a stage and having actors putting on a play using the same sets as the play and the same costumes. But ultimately, this is so much more than just placing a few tripods around in the theater and capturing the performance and then cutting it up a little bit so you mix in some close-ups and calling it a day. Valdez really invested in the staging, if you will, of the movie, not just the play and that was the most exciting part of watching zoot suit for me was seeing how he would continue to experiment and and play with the form and so zoot suit i think is a really successful adaptation and a a really cool example of how we can adapt broadway material in an interesting way without going full-scale hollywood adaptation like some of the movies what we normally know like west side story obviously being a completely revamped hollywoodized filmic production zoot suit stays true to its theatrical roots but it still functions as a movie and i thought it was really really
1: cool it's okay so here's the thing when they go into the audience they turn they they, they like uh, turn the audience into a, a set <laughs> into a set piece viewing the audience reactions to El Pachuco like going in there, following Henry, viewing the moving set piece that that's on the stage, even in the very beginning, seeing people buy a ticket to go into it. It doesn't look like an audience. It looks like they're actors. It's it's so uh stylized, it makes this feel like a it continues on this fantasy type deal that's being presented that further's the angst and kind of further's the the uh, I don't even know the the prejudices being experienced the racism being experienced the the dream like sadness that's here what what were your takes on that audience being present
0: i you know obviously there are very few perfect adaptations. And so the audience in particular is a piece of Zoot Suit that I wasn't super sure Scott, about no. how I felt about it. What? Scott, no. What? I'm in the middle of a sentence here. I'm communicating a thought. <laughs> I was going to say, I I don't think it's it's bad or it's poor. I just think that they, they don't use it as much as maybe... I would have wanted to, but actually, right now I'm even second guessing myself because they they do use the theater and the space of the theater quite a bit. It's not just the audience. There are there are scenes where Henry Reyna is imprisoned. He's put in solitary confinement, and we're we're led to believe that he is experiencing some mental health struggle because of that. The this because of you know how alone he is and el pachuco is sort of walking him through the theater basically and we see characters from the play sitting in the rows and he's snapping his fingers and they're disappearing or there's another scene where el pachuco is running around in the lobby of the theater and being chased by other people from the show and so i think they do use the space of the theater really well and in a fascinating way because again you're you're limiting yourself to being in there in terms of using the audience. There are definitely times where I wasn't sure, like you said, if if they were a real audience for a production of Zoot Suit, or if they were meant to be this experimental art film-esque <laughs> character within the movie. And it's an interesting tension. And I don't think it was done poorly. It's just something that I don't have, I don't know, fully formed opinions on. But you're, you seem to be pushing back against my, my dumb brain, so... <laughs>
1: I just, it, I don't know. It it feels as though the audience is a stand-in for, um, like, the American public. It's like, you could say the American public sat back and saw these riots occur. You have servicemen there who are stripping this man of his suit, of all of his clothing. And you have an audience there that this camera will at times cut to, or you'll have this same man who was stripped of his clothes... Um, afterwards walk into the audience whom they had to like sit and see humiliated like that It's it, it, it seems to me used as an indictment a tool of indictment and in that it looks effective I don't know if you have thoughts on that the tool
0: of indictment piece is an interesting take and uh, honestly one of the reference points I had thinking about this was actually Ava DuVernay's miniseries on Netflix called When They See Us. Have you seen When They See Us Christian? Uh, I have not seen it. I know about it. So if you have not seen When They See Us, it's a miniseries that captures the trial for the Central Park Five. These young um, black and Hispanic teenagers in New York City who were wrongfully tried and convicted for uh, a serious rape. And there are there is so much that went wrong with that case and the miniseries captures basically all of the evil and the forces the of the legal forces and the American public even that implicated these boys for this crime they didn't commit and the damage that it does to them and their families. And in particular, there is an episode that focuses on one of the, the men from the now exonerated five and it's an episode entirely devoted to him as opposed to bouncing between other characters. And it captures his journey in prison from a young man. I guess he was always a young man, but from a, a teenager to a, to a, a man. And some of those scenes are so hard to watch because of the, what's happening to him. And, and you, you feel DuVernay asking you to, to watch what is happening and know what for some of us like condoned and what we allowed this boy to be put through. And that tool of indictment piece is is as interesting take because I thought of when they see us, when we have Henry Reina put in solitary confinement and slowly losing his mind and seeing the damage that's being done to him for this crime that he didn't commit. And I like that you tied the audience into that because it's just a, a cool thing that can't necessarily be done with a standard adaptation for a movie and having the audience there reflecting the American public, I think is a cool take on it. It's not something that I had thought about. I would say the other thing that i would I would even add on to that is that so much of Zoot Suit is about just the the experience of mexican mexican American youth in the 1940s and I don't I'm not a master of some of the terminology, so I may use some of it incorrectly, but El Pachuco obviously representing this zoot suitor culture and i don't know it might even be an offensive term so <laughs> if i'm using it poorly somebody please correct me
1: no uh, pachuco is pachuco can mean a couple of different things but it's it can be used derogatorily to be um to, to be just a member of a primarily mexican-american street gang and so it's uh I think that it also depends on the context. Again, I am not Mexican. So there, there, there is something going on there, but like even Chicano, like the reason they were throwing that around a lot is because there is a Chicano culture going on right. there that is, is, is like distinguishing itself from Hispanic culture It's saying like these are not just Hispanic youth. These are Mexican youth and how they should be treated because they live so close by.
0: And I haven't done too much research into Luis Valdez, but he, from what I saw, is considered basically the father of the Chicano theater movement in the USA. And so he cares deeply about people with his shared culture. And so he writes this play and puts it on and then makes this movie so that it can live on in in some time capsule-ish way of this experience of Chicano culture. And to my understanding, for, for all of us other white folks learning out there, uh, Chicano is a term used to describe Mexi- Mexican-Americans who aren't fully assimilating. Uh, because at the time, Mexican-American was often used to encourage Mexican immigrants to just assimilate to American culture, to become patriotic. Like you like you said, it's one of the tensions for these boys. And there was some pushback against that idea of not losing their culture, of being able to continue to have their own culture, while living in this country while still being mexican-american just not assimilating fully and so chicano develops as a pushback of being still a distinctly mexican culture within america am i capturing that correctly to your understanding of the term christian yes so yes. valdez then basically makes this this document for an early form of chicano culture in the 1940s around world war Two. And so much of what is going on is related to the ways that the the way the majority culture Americans reacted to this culture. You can see on the walls in one of the the clubs that they're dancing at, it's basically Mexican night, one night of the week, and then African American night. I won't use the offensive term, but African American night, another night of the week. And there's pushback with these white servicemen who are coming back and criticizing them of not being patriotic and ripping up their clothes so implicating the audience I'm rambling at this point so I want to I want to wrap this up but implicating the audience is something I didn't necessarily think about and I think you kind of connected some things for me and I think it's a really good point and I I appreciate that
1: let's go into how music is being used here because I want to tie that into something you've said you have these not full musical numbers. They're very short musical sequences of full-on dancing and of songs that are in Spanish, but they're singing about English things. Like you have full-on songs where people are talking about how they want to dance the swing. (laughs) But the rhythms are very much Latin rhythms. There might be some swing in there, it it it's like this weird it, it almost seems sarcastic or uh not farcical but sat, satirization <laughs> and what your thoughts were on this this uh, conglomeration weird genre thing that has to do with it being a play with music
0: yeah play with music being a a term used occasionally in the theater world to describe sort of the <laughs> bastard love child of a play and a musical something that is not fully a song and dance v- number filled show but something that does incorporate music extensively and there are a lot of fun song and dance sequences as you said often used as almost palette cleansers uh, to sort of break up the action and and get the actors moving and, and incorporate some energy and I honestly wish there was more. <laughs> They're so well done. And uh, Edward James almost is, is often the person at the center of these sequences, the one who is doing the lead vocals and people are dancing around him. And he's just so charismatic and so captivating in this role that I wish we had more of him almost. And and so more musical sequences for me would have been great. I, I thought they were really effective. And it, it just made suit suit a better experience for me than if it were just a straight courtroom drama, for example. What did you
1: think? I enjoyed it a good amount because in a, well, first of all, it's it's different. Now I'm on record as saying different doesn't mean good, <laughs> but normally a musical would have a scene be and similar to what you said the last week when when you've reached the boiling point of a scene in terms of talking, that's when you go into. A musical uh, number and song and dance that it lets you see more of that emotion these musical numbers are used as transition pieces it's like you have just seen an emotional uh, up a very high and intense scene and now let's break into this song and dance as the set changes and kind of you're you're reminded of of well, one, the narrative power of Edward James Olmos and two the, I'm, I'm not even sure what else this, this weird, it, it, it's drowning you in uh, Hispanic culture I, I, in a weird, weird way.
0: Why, why do you say drowning in a weird way? It's, it's
1: very Hispanic. <laughs> it's like the best way I can say this. The numbers are full-on in Spanish. You have a man front and center wearing a Zutsu. It's very unapologetically cultural. Um, and I feel as though these musical numbers are almost the way in which they... Uh, they're, they're singing and dancing to remind me <laughs> of the culture. Maybe that was just me. But it, it felt very purposeful to have that be a transition of like a don't forget what you're watching
0: I think that makes sense and, and even do want to say the music was done uh, by the musician Lalo Guerrero and I can't roll my r's excuse me there uh, but Lalo Guerrero as well as Daniel Valdez who is the brother of Luis Valdez and the lead performer here is Henry Reina, and so he also did Double Duty with the music so some of these songs you know I think sometimes, um, reinterpreting american songs like about the swing and such but also some original songs as well still giving an an injection of hispanic culture and something that was written for the show uh and intentionally and so i think yeah as you're saying maybe uh, in addition to just serving the purpose of breaking up the action on stage and allowing these emotions to boil over and and cool you also just have this the cultural piece of injecting in some Hispanic culture, drowning, so to speak, as you, as you just mentioned. but also uh, you know it's part of this capturing this culture, this this blossoming Gicano culture or um, and so having some element of that of reinterpreting these American songs through Spanish with um, you know a, a multicultural group of people dancing <laughs> like this again, part of this experience that these people, At this time in the 40s uh and so i think it it serves multiple functions aside from being purely entertaining also capturing this culture and reflecting the times uh but also just you know serving to break up the action as as musical numbers often do
1: i have just one more kind of point i want us to hit on because i i i don't think we can go on without hitting it and that those are the performances now I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. Edward James almost steals the show for me. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean...
1: <laughs> it, there's like no question about it. it. No. Yeah. <laughs> but let, let's go into why. Like why? It, what's up with Edward James almost? <laughs> so, his character
0: is is fascinating to me, and we're talking so much about the culture. It's well written. Right. It's well written, and the culture at the time, and so. He He's part of a, a long storytelling tradition of being a character that only the main character can see and only the main character interacts with. And my understanding of his character was that he was the, I guess the, I mean, his name is literally the, the Pachuco, but being the representation of that culture for Henry Reyna, who is struggling with his place in... In America his place in his culture because at the beginning of the play he's gonna go off and join the Navy and as it said throughout the show Mexican-Americans were criticized for not being patriotic and and all that during World War II and that's a <laughs> I'm sure a longer conversation I'm not trained in history enough to dive into but he is this person who is experiencing some struggle with his just his home culture and the culture that he now lives in and balancing the, these worlds and so a Pachuco is kind of this distilled version of this, I guess, I don't know if Chicano is the right word because I know that, that the movement kind of developed later on, but this Pachuco culture that he is a part of, it's, it's that version of himself in his mind. And they, he constantly tries to navigate the space and, you know, even has some flirtations with Tyne Daly's character, a, a Jewish woman. And, el Pachugo doesn't love that of course and and he just has this fascinating character capturing that identity piece so well it, it's at a macro level capturing this historical event and the culture like we've talked about but also at a micro level just capturing one individual person's experience how one young man navigates the
1: cultural divide and he's also suave he's yeah, weak exactly like th- 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 this is the thing he's this isn't uh, what's what's the best way to say this I'm not going to say that this is effortless for him maybe it is but but to me I use effortless with with, with different categorizations of acting this is it feels very pointed comedic but not not um, comedic in in terms of, of quiet more comedic so in terms of biting like acid comedic. Do you know what I'm getting at? I do, yeah. Yes. And and it's that's not easy to pull off. In even when he like gets stripped of his clothes and he like dances away weathering what seems to be like a loincloth thing. It's 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 so like a ha ha I'm naked now. Uh and it's such an extension of his character. He Oh, it, he commands every single scene he's in. It's incredible.
0: He does. It, it Well-deserved in terms of a Tony nomination for the theatrical performance. And obviously, he did go on to a long career. I know many people love him for his small part in the Blade Runner movies. Some people know him from Miami Vice or Battlestar Galactica. So he has been all over the place in terms of movie, TV, and stage. Been in dramas and sci-fi. He's got an Oscar
1: nomination there shows, somewhere
0: yeah he he is a, a beloved figure and this his breakout role is certainly one that captures some of his best qualities this the suaveness and also sometimes you know he can be threatening and uh, just the way that he can capture the attention of the camera and and of an audience it, it's obviously a very challenging thing to do and so he steals the show most definitely.
1: Any last minute thoughts? On anything we haven't covered yet before we conclude this discussion
0: you did bring up performances and then we only talked about edward james almost so is there anybody else that stood out to you in terms of their performances obviously daniel Valdez, who we've talked about a little bit being henry reyna in the lead role here directed by his brother i think he gives a great performance as well he is asked to do a lot he is on stage for a significant portion of the show and so much revolves around him being able to portray that tension, his character is feeling. And I, I think he does a, a really excellent job
1: in the role. Um, but did
0: anybody else stand out to you? Uh, any of the other performers,
1: uh, Tyne Daly, uh, honestly would, would be the only one. She has the signature fast talking spirit and it, it, it is great. And I do think she has this weird interplay with, uh, that you were talking about with Daniel Valdezs Henry. Yes, I, I I would I would signal her out.
0: I'm I mean I've been trying to scan to see some of the names of the other performers who are in this. I think some people will would recognize Kurtwood Smith, who had a role on that '70s show, might be his most famous role. He has a very small role earlier on in this show. Um, Lupe Ontiveros is also. Uh, an actress that many people will probably recognize and she appears um, in a small role as well. So maybe some more people you might recognize their faces if you've seen some of the other projects they've been in. So check it out. We'd love to see if you can recognize any of the other people who appear in this movie. Um, The only thing then I would want to ask you about, Christian, we don't have to go too long on this, but just the editing. Um, Obviously, I mentioned it earlier. This is something I love to, to key in on in terms of like cinematography and editing some of these behind the scenes things that make movies movies. Just that's the thing that stood out the most to me. The way that he was playing with the form of theater and film, cutting out these scene transitions, not moving the sets around in real time and using the act, the art of the cut in an interesting way. Did, did anything about the editing in particular stand out to you?
1: You noticed that it was fast-paced editing, right?
0: It was pretty fast-paced. There there are moments where they they let the camera Rest on well, the actors having a moment, but in general, pretty fast cutting in terms of other adaptations, which are often more static camera angles as they're just capturing the production. So, very different in that regard as well.
1: But the editing complemented the scene because you could tell that these aren't set soon. They're not going for realism here. They're going for you to believe you're in a heightened Broadway production. And I do think that cutting around that to almost accentuate what it was about the set made sense to me and really immersed me in this fictional world, especially when combined with the lighting, the lighting was great.
0: Oh yeah. Just a, an excellent production all around. It's the play complementing the movie, complementing the play. It is just Well done all around. And I will shout out the editor. Uh, It was Jacqueline Cambas. She did the editing
1: for the filmed version of Zoot Suit. With that, Scott, we have finished speaking on 1981 Zoot Suit. Uh, Christian, I can
0: honestly say I'm so glad that you picked this out for us to watch because it is something off the beaten path that I was not familiar with. If I was, it's because it was mentioned in a textbook, like I said. And so I'm glad that we got to watch it. It was Something really cool hidden away on Netflix. And Netflix is not normally known for having amazing movies. So if you, listener, have not yet watched Zoot Suit, I would really strongly encourage you to Go check it out. Go watch
1: it. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. It's so
0: good. One of the coolest Broadway adaptations I've ever seen. I keep using that word. I feel like I don't normally use that word on the show, but it, it is just so cool, so well done. And obviously getting a chance to see... A, an interesting time in American history told um, not from the advantage of Hollywood but from the people uh, who were actually part of the culture so just a, a really cool document and I'm glad to have seen it nice so Christian uh, this is obviously Hispanic Musicals Month here on the Cinema Drip Podcast and sometimes we like to tie things into new releases so that we can you know have a movie that people are excited about seeing and there's a little movie coming to a multiplex near you that i i think we might be covering next week on the podcast so why don't you just go ahead and let folks know what's uh, coming up next for cinema trip we're gonna watch in the heights yeah we are we're gonna watch a Heights, and i'm so excited about it let's go <laughs> i have
1: already bought my tickets i am going to be seated there in like the fifth row because I want the screen to just envelop me and take me in and eat me. <laughs> uh, it is obviously based on Lin-Manuel Miranda's premiere musical in the Heights with music by him. He'll probably throw in an original song there. Got to get Why that not? best
0: original song, Oscar Christian.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's being directed by John M. Chu, and the screenplay is by Chiara Liguria udes who did the screenplay for the musical originally Anthony Ramos who you might know from Hamilton is the is starring in this and uh, I want to shout out Olga Meredith who is playing the grandma because she's reprising she is reprising her Tony nominated role from the original
0: which was over 10 years ago right over 10 years ago even longer yeah so let's go Olga Meredith so she uh I'm looking forward to seeing her performance and Obviously, I did not see In the Heights on Broadway (laughs) as a a preteen in Ohio, but I am looking forward to seeing the film version. This is a movie I have been very excited about for a long time now, as many of us movie fans have been. Obviously, this was supposed to come out a year ago and was significantly delayed because of the pandemic. And I've had a theory for a long time that it is just going to be a phenomenon once it comes out, because it's going to be in theaters and it will be available on HBO Max, so...
1: It's got like a 95 on Rotten Tomatoes so far and an 82 on Metacritic. The early
0: reviews are very encouraging. I am very, very excited to watch this and to uh, hopefully, I don't want to, you know, you never want to set yourself up too poorly, but hopefully just rave about it with you next week on the podcast.
1: So... If this doesn't meet and exceed all of my expectations, I'm quitting. (laughs) The end of Cinema Trip is nigh. No, seriously,
0: if you... Like to follow along with this podcast, uh, In the Heights will be available on HBO Max. But also, go see it in a the theater. To, you know
1: what? <laughs> F that. Go to a theater. If you, go to a freaking theater in California, they're opening. You know how strict California is. If California is opening, go to a theater. If wear a
0: hazmat suit. If you are vaccinated and feeling safe or if you are, are just feeling safe in a movie go theater, to a theater we would implore you to go see this in a movie theater support your local theaters folks if you can obviously even see it in something that's not a chain because then you can help the in- independents thrive i don't know how many independent theaters will be showing in the heights but if you can see oh it i'm going a to theater. a chain yeah that's all right <laughs> do what you can folks do what you can it'll be on hbo max and if you are still curious about zoot suit like we said, it is available on Netflix. Not sure how long it'll be on Netflix, but I haven't, I haven't seen any seen it mentioned in any departing Netflix articles anytime recently. So it will hopefully be there for some time. That is our show. So thank you so much for listening. If you have reached this point in the podcast, Christian and I love watching these movies and talking about them uh, to share with you. So thank you for being a part of what we do here at Cinema Trip. There are a few things that you can do to support the podcast that we would sincerely appreciate. Uh, number one, leave us a rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps us reach new listeners there. And if you can, go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just helps us grow and reach new listeners. Um, you can also send us some feedback at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com we love reading some listener emails live on the show here we had one come in from jordan brown last week hi jordan thanks for listening to the show we appreciate you and we also incorporate your feedback for ideas to use on the podcast i've mentioned it now i'll mention it again magic may last month was originally a listener suggestion for a blend of the month so Please, if you enjoy the show, if you have some feedback for us, feel free to send it in. Again, that's cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Christian and myself on the social medias. I'm more of a Twitter guy. Christian's more of an Instagram guy. But you can also follow the show on Twitter at cinemadrip.com. And Christian and I are also on Letterboxd, where we are rating and reviewing the things that we're watching. So you can see uh, what we got going on. I would truly love it if somebody just commented on one of my reviews CinemaDrip sent me. That would just That would make me feel joyful. So if someone out there wants to make my day and just continue to inflate my ego, that would be excellent. Christian, what can the listeners do to inflate your ego? I like money. <laughs> please send <laughs> please send a five dollar
1: bill in an envelope to <laughs> no one said anything about five dollars but i'll take it i'm thinking more about like the thousands range <laughs>
0: yeah you can you can offer christian a charitable donation um uh, christian any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home that maybe doesn't involve go watch them? in the heights in a theater <laughs> yes hopefully we can all go see in the heights in a theater and then we can report back here next week on the cinema drip podcast for what will hopefully be a very very fun episode of the show Uh, as always thanks for listening we sincerely appreciate it i'm scott he's christian and this has been the cinema drip podcast